You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God. How many of you have a Bible or something with a Bible on it? Open it, Matthew 28. And like Joshua said, I just want to remind us, it's so tempting to get involved in the little message here, a little message there, Instagram, these kind of things. But family God, how many of you know God has us in a place where He wants to connect with us today? And His connection comes through His Spirit, not through a phone. And so if we're using the phone, let it be for the Word. And then let's focus on where God's taking us tonight. Because I know in this particular generation is that our, everything has to be quick, sharp. You know, it's like the video is longer than two minutes, we click to the next one. If it, if it takes too long to say in over 30 seconds, we go to the next one. Very seldom. Why do you think they post sometimes watch to the end? I'm going, well, why are you watching it then? I, I want to see everything the God, person's got to say. But the point I'm making is that we need to learn to become focused in the moment, present. Because what God has for us is going to transform our lives. And we are not just on this earth to exist. Many of us here tonight are here with uh, different ideas. Maybe you come from different families, different backgrounds, from different social background, different race backgrounds, different economic backgrounds. There's so much that influences who we are. But whoever we are, the enemy wants to try and kill that out of us. He, the first thing Satan attacked Adam with was in the area of his identity. God had created Adam in his image. And the very first thing he said was, has God held anything back from you he said no we can eat whatever we want but just that tree of the knowledge of good and evil and that tree of the knowledge of good and evil the bible says it looked good to eat it was attractive but god said don't go there but when they said don't go there they looked at that and the temptation was there and that's where the enemy came up and says why do you think god's saying don't go there could it be that if you eat it, then you will be like God? So what's he telling them? You're not like God. That, that's implied in the sentence. If you eat, then you'll be like God. So God created them in his image, but he immediately says, you're missing something. There's something wrong with you. And you're not going to get it from God. You're going to get it from this other tree. You're not going to get it from God. You're going to get it from this other tree. And I want to talk to you tonight about who you are. Because you are not a mistake. I don't care whether your parents told you that, whether the teacher told you you're a loser, you're no good, you're never going to make it, you're going to fail. I don't care what your friends have said. I don't care whoever said anything to you. The fact that you're alive on this planet and breathing oxygen means God Put you here and he designed you to succeed in that. You are not a failure. I said you are not a failure. So how come I feel like one then? It's because we measuring ourselves against the wrong measurements. We're looking to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil instead of God's system. God's measurement. What has he made you to be? 
And as long as I'm comparing myself against the wrong tree, I will always feel like a failure. I'll always feel like I'm no good. And there'll be enough voices around me to tell me you're no good and you're not going to make it. Particularly when you're sitting at home, no one's phoned, no one's messaged you lately, no one's tagged you lately, no one's forwarded lately, and you're sitting there one o'clock in the morning, and does anyone love me? That's when the enemy wants to get on your case. And I'm here to tell you, God has a plan for you. I said, God has a plan for you. You're not the forgotten youth. You're not a byproduct of the church. You are the church. I said, you are the church. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 18, uh, all authority has been given to me. He tells his disciples. How much authority? All authority has been given to me. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples. Everybody say disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, who did he say that to? Who did he say that to? His disciples. Now, when you think of the disciples, you know, all the, all the, you know, the 12 disciples, Matthew, Mark, John, Peter, you know, all of them. Now, I want you just for in a moment, just, just imagine them standing in front of you now. Can you see them? Just in imagination? Now, let me ask you, what do they look like? Men. Okay. And how old are these men? How old are these men? I hear everything. Medium. They were medium old. Medium old. How many of you have seen movies with the disciples? How does Hollywood make them? Bearded men. And, and you know, like, you know, Jesus and them, they're all like old. Isn't that right? That's kind of how they portray them. Do you remember when Peter came to Jesus and they challenged him? about whether they're paying taxes or not. And Jesus said to Peter, I want you to go down to the sea and you're going to take a rod and catch a fish. And the first fish you catch is going to have a gold coin in its mouth and it's enough tax for me and for you. There's enough tax for me and for you. But hang on, how many disciples are there? What about the other 11? Where's their tax? Here's the thing you only started paying tax after you were 18. So, where's the other's tax? What did they call Jesus? Rabbi. Isn't that right? He's gathering disciples. 
A rabbi takes a young man from a very young age, could be from 10, 11, 12, but then starts training them. And by the time they're 17, 18, 19, they go, they step out into manhood. But the rabbi is training teenagers. You're getting this. We think the teenagers, as the disciples, these old wise men. No, they were a bunch of kids, a bunch of teenagers. Jesus went to them. They were working for their father. And he says, come, follow me. Oh, you got to get a hold of this. Come, follow me. Remember the sons of Zebedee? I mean, they want to call down fire. People are moaning and complaining. Jesus, let us, let us call fire and blow them off the planet. See, that's kind of how a young person reacts. Let, let, let's just blow them up. And Jesus says, hang on, I'm still taking you somewhere. We, we are in a kingdom of love here. But the point I'm making is these disciples were not these old men that we think of. Jesus started his church. He could have picked any one of you sitting in this room. Can I put it another way? He has. He said, I want you to go make disciples. These teenagers, these young men that weren't yet even old enough that we think should be running a church and yet God takes them and he says I want you to go and teach others what I've taught you and in the short years that they lived after Jesus was raised from the dead and he went back to heaven they turned the world upside down and the church is still active today why because they did what Jesus said. I said they did what Jesus said. How many of you want to be successful in what you're doing? How many of you want to be blessed? Well, the key is let's obey Jesus. Let's stop treating church like it's just something we have to go because mom says we have to go. No. Church is where you want to be because Jesus picked you out of your father's business. He picked you out of your mother's home. He picked you out of your school. He picked you out of everybody, your whole friendship area and says, I want you to come follow me because I want you to teach your friends. You're not coming just to learn. You're coming to learn to teach. Oh, but that's Pastor Allen's job. No, I'm not in your school. I'm not in your university. I'm not in your friendship group. You are the one that's in your friendship group. I get to connect with you here. I get to connect with you on a Sunday. But you need to be in church on a Sunday. It's not just a youth night thing. This is great. This is fun. We want it to keep happening. But you have to be equipped. Because you are in places I can never get to. How's this world going to change? Not because the old men shout from the pulpit, turn or burn. 
Not because we hold up placards. How many of you want to see your world change? How many of you are fed up with the way the world is around you? How many of you are saying, I'm growing up in a world and I don't like it and I don't want my children one day to, I want them to have a better world than I have. How many of you say that? Well, who's going to fix the world? Well, the old people, all the old men and the old women. And, no, you are the change. I said, you are the change. Jesus used 12 young men and changed the world forever. Say, that's me. See, Jesus, uh, God spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. He says in verse 1, The Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. You be the blessing. Stop asking to be blessed. You be the blessing. When's the government going to fix our country? When's my father going to fix it? When's the old people going to be? When are they going to make changes? You be the change. I said you be the change. It's time for you to be. Say this, I have the ability. I have the capacity. I have the giftings. I have the anointing. I have the call of God and the command of Jesus to change my world. You be the change. You be the influence. I'm sure many of you, it comes up very often in youth conferences and youth messages, and it's kind of there because it's in the Bible. Have you heard of a young man called Timothy? Now, Timothy, it depends. Obviously, there's no actual dates in the Bible, so they use events and, and when these things were written and all that kind of thing to try and figure it out. But they, they can kind of use a window. And they say Timothy was between the age of 17 and 21. 17 and 21. Either way you look at it, he's not 30 or 40. So even you take the, the outside 17, but even think of the 21. You know the 21-year-olds? Yeah, anyone 21s? Lift your hands up. Now, Ephesus. How many you know the book of Ephesians? Ephesus. Ephesians was written to the church in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus was the mega church of the day. That was like the huge, the big churches. Talking about tens of thousands of people. And this 21-year-old, even if you take him all the way down to 17, he pastored it as a young man without a wife. How <laughs> you ready to pastor a church of 10,000 people? See, he, he's doing that. We think you're going to wait till you get old and go to Bible college and do all these other things. And only when you... When you no, they, they, they moved quickly. The work had to be done. And at this young age, he's running this church. And the two letters, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, they are letters written by his spiritual father, Paul. Paul wasn't married, didn't have any of his own natural children, but Timothy was his spiritual son. He raised him in the faith. And Timothy, he picked up, had an issue. And so both letters are written 
encouraging this young man because he got discouraged because he would try and pastor this church and just like some old folk are, they're like, who do you think you are? Young whippersnapper telling me what to do. And they, they, they mocked him because of his youth. And Paul had to write to him saying that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a so he had to encourage him to rise up and be who God's called him to be. And he writes here in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 18, he says, I charge and I commit to you, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Everybody say warfare. I mean, you know, warfare is not always comfortable. But he says yeah. It is a good warfare. Everybody say good warfare. And he says having faith and a good conscience. Now listen to this. Which some have rejected concerning the faith. They have suffered shipwreck. They rejected the faith. What does that mean? They, they had access to it. Just like you have access to it. He's not even talking about unsaved people yet. How many people have come to youth and then rejected? The faith. But notice it says, when you reject faith, you suffer shipwreck. Now, you don't want your faith to be shipwrecked. Well, what's the key? Don't reject this faith. And he goes on and he says down in verse 12, let no one despise your youth. Let no one despise your youth. And I put in brackets, particularly yourself. Never again say, I'm too young. You are born again. You have His Spirit in you. And if He thinks you are good enough to put His Spirit in, then you are good enough to carry that Spirit and minister it to someone else. He's anointed you for this. Don't let anyone despise your youth. But, listen to this, be an example. Be. Be an example. How? To believers in word, in conduct, that's how you act, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in Purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Give attention to studying the word. Don't neglect the gift that's in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things and give yourself entirely to them that all your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to the doctrine. Continue in it. For in doing this, you'll save both yourself and those who hear you. You will save yourself. How are you born again? Who saved you? So he's not talking about his salvation yet. Because Timothy's born again. Jesus, you can't be saved unless Jesus saves you. 
So what's he talking about? Saving yourself. Keep yourself from what will destroy you. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. When we hear that thou shalt not and thou shalt not and thou shalt not, we think God's trying to take all our fun from us. That's why people think, it's, you know, I'm too cool for church. Why don't you want to go to church? Well, you've got all these rules you must follow. Well, it's like saying, uh, thou shalt not jump off a 30-story building. Come on. You know, people watch these parkour videos and you know, the guys jump these huge buildings and go through gaps and that. You may think you're a parkour jumper, but gravity is still your enemy <laughs> if you do it wrong. Isn't that right? That's the thing about Instagram and, and all TikTok and these things. You see the successful jump. You don't see the three weeks he lay in, in, in hospital with a broken pelvis because he missed the building on the last jump. You don't see the 30 attempts, I mean, slamming his face on the brick and his teeth falling out and going to the dentist, his arm is in braces. You don't see all of that. You see that eventually when he tries again, tries again, tries again, and then films it, and you see the successful jump. And you go, wow, look at that. And then he shows all his successful jumps. And then what happens is kids go out and try that, and they land up killing themselves. See, life is not what you see through the Instagram lens. You've got all these people with these cool lives. It's cool to do this. It's cool to do that. It's wonderful to do this. It's wonderful to do that. And you look at them and, you, and they look, but it's all fake. I said it's all fake. It is fake as anything. And when you look at them and you see them, with, if you look down into the soul, you look in the eyes of those people, you notice a lot of them, they may be smiling, but the eyes are dead. Because there's nothing inside. The Spirit of God is not in there. Because what the world has to offer you is fake. Family, Satan knows how to silence you, is to get you distracted, get you off into things that it, it, it always looks like fun. It always looks cool. It's like mom raises up this fish, you know, mom fish and baby fish. And she tells the baby fish, now listen, one day you're going to be swimming and you're going to find a worm wriggling in the middle of the water. And you need to stop and ask yourself because it's going to smell nice. It's going to look nice. You're going to think it's food. But I'm telling you, thou shalt not eat the worm. Yes, mom. Now, what did I say? Don't eat the worm, mommy. Right, remember that. Don't eat the worm. Ask yourself. If you ever see a worm dangling in the water, Ask yourself, how does a worm land up in the water? Why would there be a worm dangling right here? It's out to kill you. If you eat that worm, it'll be the last thing you ever eat. So say it after me. Thou shalt not eat the worm. One day, he's swimming along on his own, 
And mommy's not with him. And there is a worm. <laughs> and he goes, oh, the worm. <laughs> My mom told me about the worm. And instead of remembering what mom said, he's got to go check out if this worm is really what mom said. So he gets closer and closer and closer to the worm, and the worm's wriggling. And he goes up and smells, man, that smells good. But what did mom say? Don't, thou shalt not eat the worm. So he turns, he starts swimming away, but he goes, man, but it looks good. Wonderful. I'm not, I'm, I will not, I'm not going to stay with the worm. I'm not going to eat the worm. I'm, not, I'm just going to take a little bite. I mean, I've got to check out for myself. I mean, how does mom know it tastes good? She must have eaten it sometime. So let me just check. So what does he do? He goes up, takes a little nibble. Whoa! That is some mean worm. And he, and he thinks, oh, but I said one, just one bite. Just, I've had it now. Okay? I'm, I'm, I'm balanced. Chilled. I'm, I'm going to take it easy. I've had my bite. If anyone ever asked me, have you ever tasted a worm? Yes, I can put myself on that list now. I've had my worm. But as he's swimming away, man, like that. Whoa, man. But uh, two can't be bad as long as I do the nibble thing. So let me nibble again. And he nibbles again. And he nibbles again. But you notice now the worm's starting to get less and less. But it's, uh, man, I can't. maybe if I just eat, I'm just, I'm just going to, you know, I, I won't eat the whole thing. <laughs> and next moment, the world changes for him. And he is shooting at a high speed through the water. He can't understand it. Something's pulling him. He's trying to get away. And this water, water, water is like his life's passing in front of him. He's in this new environment called air. And, and I can't breathe anymore. And he lands on this hard surface. He's never been out here before. And he's flopping, flopping. Where's the water? Where's the water? Where's the water? Mom said, Thou shalt not eat. And now it's supper. See, family, sin looks like fun. It's just one drink, just one sip, one snort, one suck. I never really get drunk. Come on. I never really. I just, it's chilling. I'm with friends. Family God. It's designed 
to suck you in. Sin is designed. Sin is not, doesn't look dangerous. Otherwise, no one would do it. Satan's designed it to draw you in, to pull you in. You don't want to be caught by that. I said you don't want to be caught by that. Because sin will always lead to death. Always. 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 There is no safety gauge except Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way you're going to get saved is calling on the name of Jesus. And you trust Him. And you expect Him to help you. And when you're in a situation and you know that this is dangerous and you see a worm wiggling, you hear the invitation, just come along, come be part of us. And you say, no, because I know who I am. I am called to be the change. You're not going to change me. I'm not going to be sucked in by what the world says is okay. I'm not going to allow others to influence me. I don't need my friend group. I don't need to fit in. I don't need to be with a cool crowd. I'm in the best crowd there is. There is nothing more cool than to be part of the Jesus crowd and to be the change. Come on, give him praise if you got a hold of that. Come on, give him glory. Stand to your feet. Let Jesus know that you are part of that crowd. He is your Lord. He is your Savior. Shout out, be the change. You're not going to let news media, you're not going to let Instagram, you're not going to let social media, you're not going to let TikTok influence you. You don't do something because someone challenges you to do it. You be the change. Stay secure in the doctrine that you have. There's reasons we study the way we do. That you understand who you are. And you be the influence. Amen. Amen. When you see something that's going to destroy someone's life, you can step back and say, I will not participate. Now let me tell you about a Jesus That'll change your life. You don't need that cigarette. You don't need that vape. You don't need that alcohol. You don't need that drug. You don't need. What you need is the Holy Spirit. That's who I get high on. You get high on the Holy Ghost. You can go as high as you want. You can have as much as you want. There is nothing enough to kill you. You go as high as you want to go until you are in the heavens of the heavenlies. And when you're done and you come down, there's no hangover. You're empowered. You're strengthened. Hallelujah. Be the change. You are the influencers. I said you are the influencers. Don't let the, the peer pressure get to you. It's cool to say no to drugs. 
Because you know how to live. Isn't that right? If I said, yes, a, yes, a revolver, it's got six chambers in it, but I've only put one bullet in. There, you see me put it in, and I spin the chamber, and I give it to you, and I say, put it to your temple and pull the trigger. There's one out of six chances. You've got five chances of living. You know how to rush you're going to get? If you pull that trigger and you live, you know how much adrenaline is going to pump into your system. You know how cool that's going to feel. How many of you would take that thing? Oh, well, let me try. Anyone willing to do that? How many of you will take that last pull? How many of you would say, no, forget that. Let me see. Was that, is that easy? Was, is it difficult to say no? What if I said, but... Oh, no, and then you're, you're obviously not cool. Cool people would take this. Would that be enough to change you? You still say no. It's easy to say no, isn't it? Why? Because if I pull that trigger, and that moment there is a chamber in the round, then I just took my last breath. My brains are going to be all over the wall. I'm not prepared to do that. It's easy to say no. If you can see sin as dangerous, because that it's probably more dangerous than that. Because it's not just about putting your brains on a wall. It's about taking your soul out of heaven into hell for eternity. When that revelation came through for me, it became very easy to say no. Oh, just, just one sniff. No. No. No, no. Say no. It's not difficult. Isn't that right? And it doesn't matter how good it tastes, there is a hook in it. And that's what you want to stay away from. Amen. You'll never be the same again. Never be the same. Learn to hate sin and be the change. Be the change. Just lift your hands right now. Father, we thank you for your precious grace. I see each and every person here created in your image to be different, to be your representative, your disciples, the ones who carry your grace, your anointing. I see young people charged with the presence of God. A living grace, a living anointing, never the same again. And I call each one blessed. Let your spirit fill each one with your anointing, with your presence, to be the change. I come against every addiction that has tried to steal these lives. Every temptation. And I destroy it at its root in the name of Jesus. Every harassing spirit, every demon that would try to distract these young people that may have come down through family lines. I destroy those demonic works in the name of Jesus. 
And I speak the living life of God to set each one free. In the name of Jesus, you are free. Say, I receive it tonight. I receive the living God. I receive his anointing. I am the church. I'm a disciple of Jesus. Chosen by him. To make disciples. To be a blessing. Thank God. I am free. And I have the Holy Spirit. To keep me from sin. To walk in the perfect love of God. To administer His grace. I keep myself in the Word of God. In the presence of God. And I am anointed to be the change. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, give Jesus praise.